Hey everybody, it's February 6th, 2019, and welcome back to another Wednesday episode of the Shutterbottom Podcast. Welcome to episode three. I'm your host, James R. Zygmunt, and in this podcast, we, you know, we go over a lot of different subjects geared towards uh, the amateur and the intermediate photographer looking to really expand the toolkit. And today, uh, we're actually going to be talking about project planning and some of the essentials. I'm going to be talking about uh, budgeting, location scouting, kit building, um, but we're not going to be talking just about the technical side of things. I'm also going to be talking about ways of getting new ideas in the later half of the episode. I think a lot of the technical advice is actually going to really help you out if you've already got a project planned and you've already got some ideas in your head for what you would like to do. Um, but, you know, without further ado, uh, we can jump right into it. We're going to be, uh, you know, this is one of the most valuable exercises that you can do on your own, um, and that is project planning. So the very first thing you should do after coming up with an idea for a project is budget, or at least draw up a rough outline for what your budget might be. Um, some of the things that you're going to need to consider include equipment costs, travel costs, assistance, you know, if you, if you need help with the project, um, food, location costs, uh, if you need models. You need to be able to account for everything that you're going to be spending money on. Now, there's always going to be ways that you might end up spending money uh, that you didn't really expect to and you didn't really foresee, but generally having a rough outline is going to help you keep all of your costs within a certain reasonable range. And knowing how much money you'll need for a project before it starts will actually help, you know, it's going to keep you from going in the red, or at least too far in the red. Sticking to a hard budget is also a really good way of, uh, you know, developing financial and artistic flexibility skills. It's a really good way of finding shortcuts when it comes to things like lighting and positioning and um, framing and composition and and all kinds of different um, aspects of a photograph. And you know, if you can find ways to save money and to do the same job, but for cheaper, it's usually best uh, for everybody involved because the client saves money, they save time, and uh, all around it's usually a positive effect. Sometimes that might not always be uh, an option, but it's something that you should always be aware of, especially when you're thinking of the costs of doing something for a photograph, um, whether that be preparation or lighting or, or anything involved with the actual composition and the taking of the photograph. Anything you can do to save money um, without it being a detriment in terms of time or, um, or quality is usually, uh, you know, it's a good skill to have. Now, with that being said, um, you know, it's, it's important to practice financial flexibility in all projects, uh, but that doesn't mean you have to bend over backwards to save every single penny. Um, you know, your physical and your mental health are also pretty important. And um, speaking of which, another type of budgeting that you're going to need to consider when you're setting up the project is time. Uh, you need to ask yourself, how much time do I have to work on this project in its entirety? And how much time do I have to shoot? And how much time do I have to edit, organize, and produce the actual finished product? Now, just like budgeting with money, uh, you need to have an acceptable range that you can work with. Um, it's important to have an answer to these questions and have a vision for what you can reasonably expect for the project's lifespan. And just like with budgeting money, you don't need to be exact either. You just need to have a rough, educated estimate. And you know, just having that estimate is going to set you up for success at a much better rate than just winging it. You want to have a reasonable expectation for how much time it's going to take to complete your project. And that way, as you're actually doing it, you can make adjustments that aren't as jarring or disruptive. Um, if you go in blind, it's much more stressful and it may even take longer because you haven't budgeted yourself to, uh, you know, you haven't budgeted your time in a way 
that you can make adjustments on the fly. And one of the creative benefits about budgeting your time and money is that you're able to really think in advance of all the different ways that you can get a particular shot, as well as all the materials you might need to execute on that shot. And it really is a good way of planning out not just the technical parts of the project, but also the creative ones. So one of the major components that you're going to need for actually planning the project, aside from the budget, is the location scouting. And, um, you know, it's for some projects, it's a lot easier than others to have the location primed and ready. Sometimes you're shooting at home. Sometimes you're shooting out in public. Depends on the type of photography that you're doing. However, if you don't have a strong idea of where you're actually going to shoot, you need to sit down and you need to think, okay, so what do I need at the location when I'm going to shoot? What kind of resources do I need to have within arm's reach? And, uh, you know, what, what do I need out of a location when I'm going there? Um, do I need, you know, a power outlet so I can power some equipment? Do I need a lot of space? Do I need not that much space? Um, if you're shooting out in public or if you have a certain natural lighting requirement uh, that depends on the weather, where are you going to go shoot for that? Uh, you also need to consider location costs. Um, that, that falls back into the budgeting side of things. But you also want to make sure that, you know, depending on where you go, you also have to think, okay, well, do I need a special license to shoot in this particular location? Do I need um, permission to shoot in a particular location, a release? And you also need to factor in transportation costs depending on how far you actually need to go and how you normally travel. You're taking an Uber, taking a taxi, public transportation, are you driving yourself? Uh, you know, just like budgeting, you need to ask yourself a few questions before picking out a shooting location if you're unsure. For example, you might want to ask yourself, well, what do I want to shoot and where do I think is the best place to do it? And you might want to write down a list of some brainstorm ideas. You can think about some of the locations that come right off the top of your head. Um, it's always a good way to just write down and kind of immediately narrow down some of the possibilities. It, that list might not have everything. You may need to do some more research online to find out where is the best place to, to shoot this project. But, you know, having a, a good idea of what you want out of a location uh, is it's 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 a good way to get started. You'll also want to ask yourself, um, you know, depending on what you're actually shooting, what time of day am I going to be shooting at, and how long can I stay at that location? You know, um, depending on if you need a certain uh, lighting scenario, or maybe there's a time limit on the location that you want to shoot, and uh, you know, how long do you need to be in a certain spot to get your project and to get the photographs that you need. And, uh, you know, also what location is going to do the most in helping you achieve the look that you want? Um, you know, whether that be resource uh, availability, whether that be natural lighting, uh, whether that might be the environment that you're shooting in, some of the natural props around. There are all kinds of things that you can ask yourself about, well, what can this thing, what can this place do for me that I don't need to bring equipment for or it matches my tone and feel of the shot that I'm taking? Um, you, it's, it's always good to find a place that really gives back, um, what the things that you need, but you know, these questions, they don't answer everything. And, uh, when you're considering your choices, uh, you know, it, it helps to at least get you set up in a place where you can start figuring out where you're going to turn your project idea into a reality. It, it's a good stepping stone into saying, okay, here's my project idea and here's where I'm going to do it. 
And it's not as simple as just going, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is where I'm going to do it because you need to do the research and you need to, you know, you need to use the internet. You need to ask uh, for references from, uh, you know, so hopefully you have some colleagues that you can talk to or some friends or some fellow photographers that you can reach out to and say, Hey, um, I really like this particular shot you did. Do you mind uh, telling me where you shot it? Or, you know, just getting location advice. Like, well, if I want to run a studio, do you know a good company that I can go to? Um, you know, there are, there are lots of questions that you can reach out to other photographers and ask for specifics on things. And it's usually very, very helpful um, when combined with doing some research online. So now that we've talked a little bit about setting a budget for yourself and picking out a location to shoot in, uh, one of the next things that you're going to need to do is pick out the equipment that you're going to need to get the project finished. And to do that, you're going to need to take some time to sit down and think and conceptualize what the final product is going to look like when you're finished with the project. Now, this might be done in a number of different ways. You can um, have a you know conceptual shot list. You can have some mock-ups. You can have uh, some written notes for yourself of what, what are the key elements of the image that you want to capture. Um, it, it's good to have some idea of what the final project, the, fi the final product rather, should uh, end up looking like. So coming up with some ideas, uh, some conceptual ideas will definitely help you, you know, think about what you need to bring seriously in terms of equipment. Do I need to bring props? Do I need to bring another lighting source? Do I need to bring reflectors? It really depends on uh, a lot of what your core image is going to look like. Uh, however, it's always a good idea to bring a little bit extra if you're not planning to use it, because who knows, maybe there's something uh, um, an idea on the spur of the moment that you hadn't thought of before. So bringing some of the standard things, bringing some some extras that don't weigh you down too much is often a good way of, you know, giving yourself the flexibility to change, even if you didn't necessarily plan on it. And I think that's one of the core things that I'm trying to touch on with all these different aspects of planning a project and executing the project. And that's flexibility um, in both budget, time, creativity, and being able to work with what you've got, having limits and being able to work within them is a really important skill in the professional world. But also having that ability when you're working on your personal projects is going to save you time and it's going to help you get more experience for when you decide to bring those skills over to a professional project. It's always fine to follow everything by the letter. However, I do think having the open-mindedness to change alongside new ideas that come up on the spur of the moment is uh, an incredibly valuable skill and being able to present those new ideas in uh, you know within budget to a client is uh, it's it's always a good way of expanding your toolkit and really showcasing what you have to offer now we've talked all about many of the technical pieces of planning a project um, but there is something that uh, you know a lot of people struggle with, and that's coming up with ideas, especially if they've just finished a project and they've put in a lot of time, they've put in a lot of effort, and they've put in some of their money into producing something. Um, and that question comes up always of you know what's next. I know that when I finish a long project, I sometimes have to deal with creative fatigue. It's just you know working through a project can be very exhausting, especially you know the scope of it, the requirements. Um, and, you know, coming up with that next perfect new idea to execute can be pretty difficult for a lot of people. And I, I definitely struggle with that myself. 
I uh, I heard some advice from a photographer called Ben Baker uh, not too long ago uh, when he was introducing the idea of you know building portfolios for, of your work and uh, what he spoke about was the benefits of working on really small fast projects to build your portfolio and uh, not really spending a lot of time dwelling on any particular idea or a project for too long. Uh, you know, it's fine if you're working on, you know, some of your life's passion, but if you're working to build a portfolio and you're working to advertise yourself to potential clients, working on a lot of small projects and a lot of fast projects to fill your portfolio up and to give it that strong feel of flexibility and variety is a, is a really good way of showcasing your range as a, as a photographer. And also, you know, going through the process over and over and over again in a relatively short span of time gets you used to the workflow and the work cycle of planning, budgeting, producing, and then delivering a, a final project. So earlier when I mentioned flexibility, uh, you know, in mid-action as you're executing on a project, uh, you know, it's equally important to be flexible in your portfolio. Clients enjoy seeing multiple examples of your work, and if you're able to plan and execute multiple projects uh, without wasting your time on perfecting just one at a time, um, your portfolio and the level of experience you're going to, uh, you know, they're going to benefit greatly. Uh, in the end, you shouldn't worry over having the perfect idea, but instead you should act on ideas that seem fun and can be finished within, uh, you know, reasonably... Uh, a reasonable amount of time. This way you're not, you know, bogging yourself down with too much work and you're not, you know, dwelling on any particular project or any particular concept for too long. So you might be asking yourself, okay, so I should be working on a lot of quick projects, but how do I get the ideas for those projects in the first place? Um, I struggle with coming up with ideas pretty frequently, but uh, there's a few things uh, that I try to regularly practice that have helped me build a, you know, somewhat of a well of ideas that I can draw from when I'm feeling creatively drained. One exercise that I practice on a, an everyday basis is just writing down quick thoughts in a, a small notebook. So whenever I think of something that is unique or it sounds like a fun project to do or it sounds fun to do in my head, I just write it down. I have the notebook on my desk and I just fill in some uh, you know, just a few sentences to try and flesh it out pretty briefly. This way, I can always look back on my notebook and I can always look at ideas, even if, you know, the, the spur of the moment ideas disappear pretty quickly and I forget them. I can always just go back and I can see what I thought of earlier and I can kind of go back and, and reflect on what really seemed fun at the time, maybe isn't as fun now, or I can go see and look back and be like, oh, this does seem like a fun project to work on. I would say that it's pretty important to get into the habit of writing these thoughts down, uh, you know, whenever they come up, uh, you know, after some time, it's going to become like second nature. Um, but just getting into the habit of writing down these ideas is a good way of, uh, you know, it's it, it helps you not throw ideas away so quickly and it helps you preserve them so we later on you can go back and you can revisit and say that, you know, maybe you're running low on ideas right now and then you want to go back to this well of ideas that you can, uh, you can just grab something from and work on it. It's also a really good way of just, you know, it's just storing a lot of raw ideas, a lot of raw concepts, uh, even, even bad ones. Um, but it keeps them in a convenient physical place. Um, and, uh, you know, you can also, if you don't want to have a notebook, you can always use some software like Evernote or Google Docs to keep track of your ideas digitally. It also saves them in the cloud. 
that's one of the you know the main benefits of uh, you know having some kind of software like Evernote or Google Docs to save your things. So you always have a backup. Uh, you can also format and you can organize and you can search, which is also a pretty big benefit that you don't really have when it comes to having something written down on paper. But for me personally, I, I you know I use a mix of both. If I have some ideas right on hand and I don't have my phone or I don't I'm not at a computer. Uh, just writing it down in a small notebook helps. Uh, it helps me just keep track of it for later. And then later on, I can always bring it into a digital format if I feel like it. Thankfully, there's also, uh, you know, if you're having struggles with coming up ideas on the fly or passively, um, there are a lot of writing exercises out there for brainstorming that, you know, carry over to uh, photography or at least uh, help with generating ideas for creative projects. Things like word clouds are a good example of helping you develop ideas or discovering themes that you can uh, you can apply to a project or maybe a, a set of raw ideas that you had. Uh, I think word clouds are usually pretty fun. They help you, uh, you know, they help you come up with patterns and and themes just off of a simple concept like war or love or strife or struggle, and they help you break down into these more granular pieces that you can take and you can really you can really focus on when you're planning a project or coming up with some, you know, some new concepts that you would like to, to work with. There's uh, another writing exercise that I learned about uh, for screenwriting that I, I really like a lot. And it, it relates to newspaper headlines or at least news headlines. And um, well, what, what you can do is you can go onto some online publication and you can browse around for different headlines. And uh, what I normally do is I'll find a few articles that I like and then I'll try to break down some of the themes that I see in that article. Um, you know, you might not find a winner in the first few, but I think after some time you can go through and you can break down some of the some of the core concepts that uh, the, the 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 writer is talking about. And then you can kind of extract those and you can you can break them down further. Maybe you see an article about protesting. Maybe you want to talk about um, maybe you want to break that article down into some more of its granular pieces and then create a photography project based around protesting or rebellion or um, something like that. There are, uh, you know, there's a lot of exercises out there and I would definitely recommend researching some of them. Look up brainstorming exercises on Google for writing. Uh, and, you know, you can also look up photography brainstorming. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, it's a great way of helping you experiment with ideas that you have already and also uh, ways of coming up with new ideas that you can use in the future. And also, you know, going through and, and doing these exercises is also a good way of finding the ones that work best for you. Because maybe a word cloud doesn't work best for you, but word association does, or maybe using the headline exercise, just as some examples. Um, but finding what works best for you is, is really key because it, not everything works for everybody. Um, but finding the one that works for you is going to be a great way of, it's going to be a great tool, really, that you can use when you need to generate ideas for new projects. So with all of that being said, I would uh, greatly encourage you to start planning some projects or at least coming up with some ideas. Um, you know, with some time and some careful planning, soon you're going to start seeing your ideas, you know, come to fruition. And uh, you're going to start seeing your concepts and your ideas come to life. And there's a few things, uh, you know, there are a few things out there that are more satisfying than seeing your creative vision grow and, and change and, and get developed and executed into a full project. Um, so I, de I definitely encourage you to at least come up with ideas for projects that sound fun, that sound exciting, things that you would like to shoot. Um, it's, it's a great way. It's just a stepping stone into getting you 
into the habit of planning your projects and then eventually executing on them. And you don't have to execute every project if you don't feel like it, but coming up with the ideas and, and going through the process of planning and budgeting and location scouting and kit building, will it, it's a set of invaluable skills that you can bring to the table whenever you are looking to work for a client or trying to advertise yourself to an agency. They, they, they look for photographers that, are, that have those skills and they look to hire photographers that are flexible and can do the job and they can, they can take the first step forward when it comes to the project planning. Anyway, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. I hope you all uh, have a great week and I hope that you were able to learn something that you hadn't before and uh, are interested in hearing more from this series in the future. Um, once again, my name is James R. Zygmunt, uh, and you can find more of my podcast episodes or some more of my blog posts from my photography at my website, hiddencityphotos.com. Um, and this has been the Shutter Button Podcast, and I will see you guys in the next episode.